The Catholic Channel Sirius XM 129 presents Just Love with your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of New York. Welcome to Just Love. This is our weekly conversation about the church in the world on the Catholic Channel Sirius XM 129. We're delighted to have this conversation every week in which we look at what's going on in the world around us and we try to figure it out from the perspective of our Catholic values and our Catholic beliefs. God knows the world that we live in is incredibly complex, incredibly troublesome, much tension, a lot of divisions, and yet that is the world in which we live, and that's the world in which we try to live out our own values for those of us who are Catholic, which I assume probably most of the listeners are, we try to do it based upon our Catholic Christian tradition, figuring out the way that we best journey toward God's kingdom. And so each week we kind of talk about a number of different things, a wide range of topics. Tom Dobbins, who is here with us, he tracks down some very, very kind of interesting and informative guests. I know we have them this week. And so it's the opportunity for us to kind of look at what is going on in in the world and delighted that you join us for these conversations. Tom, so um, is, are we getting ready for summer? Are you, does summer mean something to you like different than Memorial Day, the actual day in which we kind of, um, you know, kind of uh, actually do the turning of the season? It does, Mr. You know, for me, summer is a time to kind of slow down a little bit on the weekends, to relax, um, to spend a lot of time outside, um, get together with friends. You know, uh, one interesting thing, I'm going to a concert, Monsignor. I'm going to go see Paul McCartney in concert. Wow. Uh, yeah, at the Met- at the Meadowlands. So, um I'm uh, I'm hopeful when I'm going to go see him, it's supposed to rain that night. So <laughs> hopefully it won't rain too much, but I'm looking forward to it. He's going to sing some of his own songs and maybe some Beatles stuff too. So to me, summer is like that kind of thing. How old, is, how old is Paul McCartney now? Paul McCartney has to be in his eighties now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I do. I think he's in his eighties now or early, I think his early eighties, but I believe that he's in his eighties now. So it'll be interesting to see him play in concert. They say he comes on on time. So they say to get there on time because they say he's not like these others that leave you waiting. He comes on time. Okay. Well, that's, um, that's good. That's, uh, <clears throat> that's good. That is, uh, that's, that's very positive. So why don't we go to our, to our first guest as we're kind of approaching Father's Day um, and uh, talk a little bit about um, the projects, the program that our first guest is involved. Our first guest is uh, Percy Kennedy, is the founder of a Texas-based nonprofit organization, Voices of the Fatherless. It's a mentoring program helping kind of incarcerated fathers to connect with their children. So I'm delighted that uh, Percy Kennedy is with us. Percy, thanks for joining us on Just Love. Good, good afternoon. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm delighted that you are with us. Why don't you um, give our listeners just a little bit of a background uh, of yourself and where you grew up uh, and how you kind of wound up doing what you're doing today? 
Well, I grew up in Texas, uh, in Southeast Texas, in a city east, southeast of Houston, uh, Beaumont, and attended school at Lamar University there on a football scholarship. And then after graduating, moved to Houston. And just through my journey of, of my faith, it's just, you know, being involved in my church, I volunteered a lot working with the youth. And then several years uh, into being working with junior high kids, I had an opportunity to hear a message by a gentleman by the name of Derek Prince. And it was that message that he spoke about orphans, widows, the poor, and the oppressed. Uh, in my late 20s, I heard that message and how they represent the the, the single parent families of, of the U.S. and how the uh, number of single parent families in the U.S. was growing and that they are the modern day orphans and widows and how we should have a heart for them. And actually, the title of the message was Orphans, Widows, the Poor and the Oppressed. God cares for them. Uh, do you? And it was through that message I began to just really have a heart for uh, reaching out and mentoring uh, boys and girls who were growing up in homes without fathers. Okay. Well, thank you. So what position did you play? Football? I played tight end. Play tight end. Yes. Okay. Um, how'd you do? Uh, well, not too well. Uh, I had <laughs> an injury uh, that stopped me from playing after my sophomore year in college and it stopped being fun. So I always made myself the commitment that if it was no longer fun, I was no longer going to do it. And um the pain I was experiencing was no longer any fun. So um, well, stayed in school and ended up graduating with a degree in marketing. Okay. Well, um, you know, maybe if you didn't get in, injured, it would be, you'd have been the, the new Bronkowski. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, delighted that you're doing what you are, what you're doing now. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So tell me now a little bit about the organization that, you founded. Um, how many years ago did you found the organization? So Voices of the Found uh, Voices of the Fatherless actually started back in 2014. Uh, in 2014, we were doing a mentoring program, and we were working with boys who were from fatherless families, teaching them how to golf, and we're just using the game of golf really just to connect with them. And then after doing that for a couple of years, uh, we just really. At least I, I can remember specifically one encounter with a young man by the name of Joshua. Joshua was coming to our program. And one, one of the Sundays, he, he was really excited because he was learning that his dad was actually getting out of prison. And he was really excited for his dad to get out of prison. And even though he had mentors in his life, he really wanted to you know, really can reconnect with his dad. And it just through circumstances, maybe a month or maybe weeks later, I was invited to go out and speak to a group of men at a prison. And the program there was a discipleship program in teaching biblical faith to the incarcerated men. And from there, I was invited to do a discipleship class on fatherhood. And I just went thought back to Joshua and how excited he was to actually have his dad. And this program that I was exposed to is called Inside Out Dads. It's a program through the National Fatherhood Initiative that gives fathers tools to stay connected with their children while they're in prison so that their children don't fall into their fall into the same path that they've, they've fallen into. But also men that are engaged in the lives of their children during their incarceration, the recidivism rate or the likelihood of them going back to prison also reduces. And so from that point on, I really saw our path going forward would be to work with the dads 
and helping them with their children. So we transitioned from that program in, in, in 2016 with Voices of the Father, which is focused specifically on the prison and being able to work with incarcerated dads. And we started with 16 men in 2016, and we've had graduating classes. We do this every fall, as high as 80 men uh, graduate from the program. And if you look at the cumulative effect of that, you have 80 men, and each of them have about three children. So we're looking at reaching hundreds of children by impacting and focus on a, on a specific group of men. Wow. So that kind of makes quite an impact on the lives of a number of, of different people. It does. Um, when we first had the graduation, we invite the kids to come and spend the day and participate in a series of activities that the men are prepared for how to have better communication with their children. And so we had the moms at a separate location where we had lunch for them, spend the day with them. And then going forward, we were able to get approval for the entire family to be part of the graduation in subsequent years. So in 2017, we had the entire family there and engaging in activities with the family, the kids, the dads and moms. And the big part of that celebration, these men have gone through a 12-week class and they've gained skills to be able to connect and communicate with their children. But one area they learn is how to prepare and pray the blessing over their children. So in that service on that graduation day, which is the week before Christmas, the men have uninterrupted time with each individual child and they pray a blessing that they've written out for each or every one of those kids. And they actually are able to give that blessing written out to their children. And we've seen so many incredible things happen as a result of that. Children, they take that home, put it in a plaque, uh, put it in a frame and hang it on the wall. Children take pictures with it and read it to themselves on a daily basis because it's the father speaking a positive message. And this is based on a book by Gary Smiley called The Blessing. And this book it teaches how important following the Jewish tradition of the father blessing the children. And so the men go through that process and we see a lot of changes taking place. It's probably the most memorable, the most powerful uh, moment of that day when the kids pray the blessing over that, when the dads pray the blessing over their children. We're speaking with uh, Percy Kennedy, mm -hmm. who is the founder of a Texas organization called Voices of the Fatherless. It's a mentoring program that, helps incarcerated fathers to connect with their, with their children. So let me, for our listeners, many of whom are Catholic, um, I want you to talk a little bit more about uh, the prayer, the blessing over the children, because in our tradition, probably the blessings tend to be a little bit more structured, maybe simple blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But I think when you're talking about a blessing or a prayer over their children, the fathers actually probably develop something that is very personal and very related to the particular child that they are blessing. That is correct. So when you look at the, there's a, there's a framework in which the blessing consists of several components. First of all, the father sees the child as, an, as a unique individual creature from God. The father calls out their unique individual talents, gifts. Maybe it's 
their personality. Maybe it's their ability to connect with individuals. Maybe it's their singing ability. Maybe it's a, a gift that they have to be creative. So the father highlights that particular element in that individual child and says, I understand. I see you as unique. The second aspect of that, it paints a positive future a future that God is with you and God's going to use you and that you're never alone. It also speaks to the fact that I'm there for you. You have support, you have what it takes and that you have the ability to accomplish the dreams and goals that you have. And even also that you have in your heart, but also for the girls, it's more so uh, speaks to them that you're beautiful, you're accepted, you're loved. For the boys, you have what it takes. You have the ability, the giftings and the talents. So the blessing does and does have very uniqueness and very specific to each child. And if you, I highly recommend the book, The Blessing uh, by Gary Smiley. It goes into a little more details of how that is um, carried out. But it really is, like I said, a very, one of the most powerful parts of that, of that, uh, of that meeting. And also here's the thing. Many of these men have grew up without fathers because about 85% of incarcerated men come from fatherless homes. And so one week prior to them actually preparing the blessing for their own children, we go through an exercise or we go through our own blessing where we as volunteers stand in the gap on behalf of the incarcerated men and pray the blessing over them. Because the blessing is not a blessing unless it's given and a blessing must be spoken and the power of the spoken word. So we spend that time praying the blessing over them, modeling what it looks like, and then they have what they were, they are able to give what they have never received. So once they receive the blessing, they're able to give it to their children. Wow. That is, that's, that sounds so incredibly beautiful. So the number that you, you, you just threw out there is we're talking about kind of throughout the country of the United States, 85% of the men who are in jail were without fathers when they were growing up. Right. 85% of incarcerated men come from fatherless families. Wow. Uh, another, another statistic, think about this one. 90% of homeless runaway children come from fatherless families. And so there's a direct connection between the absence of fathers and gang activities, runaway, suicide rate, um, poverty, lack of education. All those are connected to kids or families without fathers in the home. Wow. And let me turn that around. And if you don't know the statistic, that's perfectly okay. But of those men who are in incarcerated, how many of those have children? So the program that we work with, uh, of course, all the men in our program have children. Right. And so I don't know the exact number, yeah. uh, but the, the study is one that kind of relates to the children is that children that have parent, children of incarcerated parents, their risk of incarceration is tenfold greater than a child that doesn't. Right. Right. But with your experience, and I know you work with only those who have children, but do you have a sense that many of the men who are incarcerated actually do have children? I would say more than 70%. Okay. Okay. All right. That's, 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 that's good. You know, so let me, um, Percy, let me ask you something that, <clears throat> and I'm just sharing a little bit of my perception of, of things is kind of the world we, we live in. 
you know, we don't want to blame people. We want to build people up. But sometimes it seems that like the statistics you just threw out, sometimes it's a little bit hard to say, you know, it's really is a good idea if there is a father in the home that it really does help the kids. And, you know, sometimes in some of the conversations today, that's kind of perceived to be maybe a little bit of a, of a antiquated idea. Do you come across that sometimes? I came across it a whole lot when I was working with just the young men from the, from, that were living in single parent family homes, because there were actually struggles when we we're trying to mentor boys of a single mom who actually may have grew up without a mom. Right. I'm sorry, who, who actually grew up without a father. Right. So you have single parents or single mothers raising boys and, you know, the, the, the desire to to implement or give them a father figure is no by no way saying single moms are not enough or saying that the problem is single moms, because oftentimes it may come across that way. And so the issue is not single moms. The, the issue is actually absent fathers. Uh, there was a quote that I recently received and it says, I don't ever associate fatherlessness with the blame on a single mother. That's not how it works. He said he was calling out the absence of men as role models and mentors, as well as what he sees as a generational breakdown in society. Because it's through the father that discipline is instilled. It is through the father that respect and authority is instilled because those are the design roles that God created the father to fulfill in the family. And when you pull that role out of the father, the father out of the role of the family, you have a dysfunction and not that there are examples of fatherless kids that have been successful and done well. That has happened. But for the most part, there are more numbers of kids that have ended up on the bad side of other activities as a result of not having that male father figure in their homes. And oftentimes, you know, it's through a, a mentor or coach that they were able to receive that. You know, for sports, you know, coaches provide that type of discipline and structure that kids typically don't receive. But there's a reason God designed it the way he did, you know, father and, and a mother to, to raise a family. And just the breakdown of that, that nucleus family has contributed to a lot of the ills that we experience today. Percy, say a little bit more about that, because I think that's a very, very, you know, important point. I think as you talked about, <clears throat> it's probably a little bit better to talk about absent fathers than just single mother families. I like that. That makes sense. But say a little bit more as you you know you said a lot but a little bit more about the importance of the father in the family so the father in the family presents certain roles and responsibilities and we know the father we go through this exercise and we ask the men what is a man and what is a father role in the family and many times that is that of a provider to there there to be able to provide for the needs of the family but he also is responsible to be the authority or the authority figure the father distills discipline, and he is responsible for leading and guiding discipline in the family. Uh, and the model that we uh, that God has created is for the father to lead in that area. And it's not that of a dictator, but the, that of a leader. One of the resources that we utilize in in, in the, our program is through a book by a gentleman by the name of Cassie Carson, who does an amazing job uh, breaking it down through his program called The World Needs a Father. And how to bring heaven home. And it's a very structural information guidance on how the father um, is able to transition. Because in the 
early development of a child, the child really needs the mother to be the nurturer, you know, from like, say, birth up until like six or seven years, uh, six or seven years old. And at that point, the father should become a more of a dominant leader in that area as it relates to parenting. And so if a child gets all mom their whole life, they get nurtured their entire life and they may not be able to understand the importance of authority or discipline. The father is should be injected in that child's life and to be a more dominant parental figure and instill a discipline and um, uh, under respect for authority. Because I think a lot of what we see um, with um, kids that are in juvenile facilities are, are kids that have ne- never been taught the importance of discipline or respect for authority. And also, too, with the breakdown of the nucleus family, we have we see in America church attendance is way down. Uh, you have like 40 43% of U.S. children live in a home without a father. And, you know, I, I look at the divorce rate as high as it is in the U.S. And you imagine families going to church together when there's a divorce. The mom is not going to church anymore. The dad is not going to church anymore. They were going to the same church. They, neither of them are going to that same church anymore. And now if the mom and dad are not going to church, guess what happened? The children, they're not going. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Percy, I think I'm, I'm, I think probably intuitively, most of us think we know the answer to the next question. Um, but the next question is, as you mentioned, there are lots of, of children who are being brought up in single, single parent households. And, but, uh, and I think most of them are usually um, in households in which there's a father absent. But I would imagine there, is, there are some households in which it's the mother who's absent and the father is doing the raising. Have you come across much of that in your work? Well, that's been, that was my experience. Uh, I actually grew up, uh, had an opportunity to raise a son that was, um, I had full custody of a five-month-old my sophomore year in college. And so, you know, I raised him as a single-parent father. My parents helped, friends helped. But, you know, even in that experience, you know, you look back at it, there's things that, you know, I can see that it, the benefit of having a two parent home would have been. And I think from going through that journey, you involve friends and families to be able to assist. And hopefully you're able to create an environment or have a, your child in a safe environment in a, in, a, in a church family where they will be able to support. And so um, you look back and you grade yourself on your parenting skills later. And there's certain things I definitely would have done differently uh, because you can't do it all as a single parent. You have to be able to ask for help. And so, you know, from my experience, there are dads that are raising their kids uh, without you know, the mom in the home. But for the most part, it's really the the fathers. I mean, really, the, the, the fathers that are absent for the majority of those uh, kids lives. Yeah. And again, I, I alluded to this in one of my previous questions, but <clears throat> boy, we, we have a real problem, it seems to me, in being able to talk honestly, civilly about some of this, because, you know, uh, you know, when we talk about the importance of two parent families, almost immediately, people think, we're putting down single moms. It's, it's like, it's a hard conversation to have in certain parts of our contemporary society. I think also too, you have to understand that, at least I've come to understand that every conversation is unique. 
because you're having this conversation with a single mom who grew up with the father, that conversation is totally different if you're having a, that conversation with a single mom who grew up without a father. And so if we, like when we go into the prison, prior to even talking about the, the relationship between the dads and their children, we have, we spend a lot of time talking about these incarcerated men, their relationship with their own father first. And it's not until they resolve their own father wound, which they have, which many of us have, which we all have, because no one have, has a per, have had a perfect earthly father. There's no perfect fathers. And so until you heal your own father wound, it puts you in a position or a better position to be able to help reach out and heal the wounds that you may have afflicted unknowingly on your own children. And so that aspect of having that conversation with a single mom, if she's not healed from her father wound, then that conversation probably is not going to be well received. So, so Percy, um, <clears throat> what do you see the future of your ministry and your program? Where do you, where do you see this going? Well, this year we were able to publish a book and the title of the book is called Voices of the Fatherless, which is the same name of our nonprofit. And the, the book is a collection of letters. And these are letters that the incarcerated dads have written to their children. There are also a group of letters written to the next generation, and then a group of letters written to their younger selves. And so we asked these men to write these letters, and there are five areas that came from these letters, five specific areas. Their faith, the importance of faith, the importance of friendship, respect for authority, expressing emotions, and, ex- and the importance of education. My desire and our goal is to transition the conversation that we're having with incarcerated dads into the public schools. Our hope and desires is that the book will become a tool where we can have conversations with young people who are without fathers and be able to use the book as a tool to engage them in these conversations prior to them getting on the school to prison pipeline, prior to them following the pathway of incarceration. Because many of these men will say, I never had anyone give me an opportunity. I sat down and asked how were things going as it relates to me growing up without my dad. Some of the men will say, you know what? Had I had someone get engaged with me and showed me a different way and told me the path that I was headed on before I ended up in prison, things would have been totally different. So that's what we're hoping, that we'll be able to transition the work that we're doing in the prison and take it into the schools, intervene early on. Now, let's not wait until they're in prison before we begin to reach them. And most of the men, a lot of the men have, that have contribute to the book, they're home now. And so we have had the opportunity to invite the men who were once incarcerated in our program to go into the schools and have conversation with students who have just read letters that they wrote. And that has been, we've been able to do that here in Houston. And that's been amazing. That's something that, you know, it's like a full circle to see the guys now in a classroom, sharing about their experience and how they're not going back to prison and how when they were in prison, they learned tools to stay connected with their kids. So we're hoping to expand in that in that area. Percy, say those five things again. I got faith, education. What are the other three? So um, it's faith. The men learned the importance of faith while they were incarcerated. Friendship. Respect for authority expressing emotions in a healthy way and the importance of education. And Kevin, um, 
and it's just amazing when I look at this, is that you look at that acronym, it actually spells free. Uh, that and, is, you know, I got to tell you, Percy, fortunately, um, I've never been incarcerated. But if I did better on all of those, I'd be a I'd be a better person myself. Those are those are just so so kind of wonderful, uh, you know. And and I think you're talking about trying to bring them into public schools, bringing them before they become a problem. Boy, that just strikes me as so much on target in the right direction. Yes, and like I said, the the students have been very receptive. And, you know, we had our first program in the school and the kids were asking questions that, you know, you ever think of like, you know, what do you what is like building being in prison um, for as what type of food you eat? I mean, questions that really don't really relate to the book, but they're engaged in the conversations. And then to have these students just really just open up and really uh, the, the instructor there. He told me, he said, a lot of these students have been coming back to him one-on-one and having conversations about some of the challenges and struggles that they have. And the part is that they're not keeping it inside. They're bringing it to the surface and uh, addressing those issues. Percy Kennedy uh, is the founder of Voices of the Fatherless. Before I let you go, you've been incredibly generous with your time. Is there one final idea or message or thought you'd like to leave with the listeners of Just Love? So I would just say that when we talk about the issue of fatherlessness, it's not something that it's a one size fit all. And there are not, it's not anything one organization or one ministry can really fix uh, at the heart of the matter. Well, you have to really understand that uh, the basis of what we focus on is Malachi chapter four. Uh, what God says, he's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And so we really need to just really spend some time asking God to just give us ideas of how we can be engaged in the process of turning hearts of children to their fathers and hearts of children to their fathers. And just really be praying for more and more individuals to get involved and and engage in the process. Um, One of the things that I'm blessed with is I have a great team. And when I go into the prison, it's the World News of Father, a resource that I have for Cassie Carson. The amazing video that we share called The Father Effect by a gentleman named by John Finch. Another ministry that I partnered with is called Sheepdog Ministry by a gentleman by the name of John Paul, and who was actually previously incarcerated. Uh, he helps with our organization. So it's a team effort. We have a young lady by the name of, she wrote the book, Daddyless Daughters, and Jemiah Walker. She goes in and helps the men connect with their daughters. So it's an entire team. It takes all hands on deck and connecting individuals that can bring unique aspects of what their purpose is. And we go in as a team and we're seeing amazing things done as a result of connecting and making sure that we all work together towards addressing this issue, this massive issue of fatherlessness. If people wanted to learn more about your organization and what's going on, is there a website they can go to? Yes, they can go to voicesofthefatherless.com. Um, and learn more about it. And of course, Voice of the Fatherless book is available on Amazon. And there's a lot of resources and con- uh, information in the book or how to stay connected, how to connect with us. And are there are there kind of sister organizations to you in other parts of the country? Not yet, not yet. You're hoping? We're hoping, yes, sir. Great, okay. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And even more importantly, thank you for what you're doing. 
because you know when we all we say very much we believe that every person is made in the image and likeness of God is worthy of dignity and respect and so often those who are incarcerated don't aren't treated with that dignity and respect that's what you're doing and you're saying they have the power to be fathers even when they are incarcerated so Percy thank you so much for the work that you do thank you for having me Percy Kennedy founder of Voices of the Fatherless a mentoring program helping incarcerated fathers to connect with their children I can't think of a better way for us to kind of talk about an important topic on this Father's Day weekend. Let's take a break, Tom. Uh, This is Just Love. We say just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. Join us when we come back in just a moment. The Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Just do it. Just love. Just check out Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, who's here right now. Take it away, Monsignor. Welcome back to Just Love. Just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. You know, we do talk about some big issues here on Just Love. Uh, We just had a conversation about uh, incarceration of men, fathers, and the impact of fatherless households on children. But some of us probably can't do much about some of those big issues. 
But that's why we say just love. Just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself. And if each of us individually in our own worlds, our own spheres of influence, did those things, then our world would be more just and it would be more compassionate. So all of us can contribute to a just world, a fairer world, a more compassionate world. Um, And, uh, you know, I think we have a lot to do in our world, a lot of danger, a lot of evil, a lot of problems there. But each of us can make our contribution to making the world a better place. Um, So let's go to our next guest. Our next guest is Aldrin Ennis, who is the president of 100 Black Men, Inc., an Afro-American men's organization dedicated to playing a proactive role in achieving meaningful gains for the Black community. Um, Aldrin Ennis, thank you so much for joining us on Just Love. Thank you for having me. Great. How are you today? I am I am great and I'm better for speaking with you. <laughs> Likewise. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Great. So hey, give our listeners a little bit of a introduction to yourself. Um, you know, how'd you get to wind up becoming the president of a hundred black men? Um, absolutely. So um I became um a member of the organization um exactly 20 years ago. And um, it just so happened that I saw um, that the organization was giving out a scholarship and that prompted me to reach out and learn more about the organization. Um, I met the president at the time, uh, Paul Williams, and he invited me to become a member. So fast forward 20 years, here I am, um, the president of the organization. Uh, Through that time, I've served in a number of capacities, including uh, first vice president, treasurer, assistant treasurer, um, on uh, committees, chairing committees such as the Gala Committee, um, the Education Committee, Scholarship Committee. So it's it's been a, a long ride, but it's been a fun ride. So I got to ask you the question: Did you get the scholarship? No, 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 no. So I was an adult at the time. So this oh, was okay. after this ah. was after um, college for me, and and possibly even after graduate school. And um, you know, it was just uh, on a. Um, on a search engine and, and saw the, the opportunity. Okay. So let me, let me ask you this question. Um, why the name 100 Black Men? How did that come to be? So the organization was started in 1963, right? And we all know that that was during the civil rights era. Right. And one of the founders um, who you may have heard of, um, one of our mayors of, of this great city of, of New York, okay. David Dinkins, um, he decided to add black into the name, right? So it was first the 100 men. Okay. And then he said, you know what? We need to be intentional. Um, this is the civil rights era. And um, there's nothing more profound than adding black to it. So henceforth, the name 100 black men. And from that organization, which was started in New York City, we now have approximately 100 chapters throughout um, the United States and abroad. So you can imagine at that time, civil rights era, um, everyone is, is is galvanizing behind the cause. You know, a chapter started in New Jersey, then another one in Los Angeles, and then the whole concept just mushroomed um, into what it is today. So, so Eldrin, you know, this is more me. I'm not, I hope our listeners are interested in this, but 
why the number 100? Does that have any symbolic? Fa- I mean, what yeah. happens? <laughs> so what happens if the 101st guy shows up? You don't let him in? Well, uh, we do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but once again, um, the, the, the number was so profound at the time. Right. Um, at that time, we, we didn't have 100 um, men within the, the New York City community that um, rallied behind this cause, but okay. we had a significant amount. So in, in order to add emphasis to it, we put the 100 in there and okay. it stayed the same. You know, we're going on our 60th year anniversary next year as far mm-hmm. as the New York chapter. And I, I believe it's like the 42nd year uh, for the for the national organization. But, you know, there this power in, in a name. Right. And there's also power in numbers. Um, So we were hoping that by showing um, a a mass amount of men um, that it would spark a movement and which which is what it did. Okay, so that. uh, okay, now I'm a little bit smarter. Our listeners are a little bit smarter. Um, Aldrin, thanks so much for sharing, sharing that with us. So let's go on. I mean, um, it's only been relatively recently that there's been a renewed emphasis on Juneteenth. So again, for the sake of our listeners who may not be familiar with it, and I have to tell you, um, I am, I'm willing to admit that until a few years ago, I had never heard Juneteenth. Now that's right. shame on me, but, but I bet there are still people who don't know what Juneteenth is. So can you share with our listeners what it is? And, and then after that, why it's important that we do celebrate it as a nation. Sure. Um, so it has not been um, new to the Black community. Right. right. This is something that's been celebrated since 1865. Right. Um, now, it may be new to uh, nationally, if you will, with um, it being a federal holiday about um, last started last year. But um, we in the Black community, we've been celebrating this. And, you know, it's just a, a day for us to remember um, being emancipated. Uh, we call it Freedom Day and Black Independence Day. And um, this, the, the, the sim- symbolism behind it is that, you know, um, President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation um, approximately two years before um, Black folks in Texas learned that they were free. So it took two years for that message to travel from Abraham Lincoln to these folks in Texas. So you can imagine the excitement, the jubilee um, behind it. So fast forward um, the year 2021, um, actually 2020, um, so much took place in America, right? You have um, Black Lives Matter, you have George Floyd, um, you have this this bubbling of um folks learning more about the plight of African-Americans, of Black folks in this country. Um, And, you know, President Biden saw it fit um, to make Juneteenth um, into a a federal holiday. So here we are, um, the year 2022, and we're we're celebrating it. And I hope that it is something that other cultures um, adopt, and it's not just a day off for them, that they really look into history and learn about um, how this country was formed and the importance of, of Black folks in this country. And so it, 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 it celebrates the, um, the information getting to Texas. Is that kind of what it celebrates? 
Well, it's it's really celebrating the emancipation of Black right. folks in America. Um, the you know it, it took two years uh, for that information to to get to those folks, but um, we're, we're not celebrating it taking that long, but highlighting um, what it means to be Black in America. Right, um, we celebrate Black History Month during the month of February, but you know Black History is three sixty five. Um, and not only in America, but globally, right? The contributions that Black folks have made to society, sometimes it's overlooked. Um, right. Some of, you know, our pioneers, some of our inventors um, have never received the credit for the work that they've done. So this is a way to help acknowledge all of that. Obviously, there's still um, work to be done, um, a, a healing and a reckoning that needs to be done in America and, and, and globally. But you know, like they say, Rome was not built in a day. So unfortunately, we're, we're taking these small steps, but I'm hoping that in future generations, things will definitely be um, different and there'll be more holidays and more observances of um, the importance of these contributions. Aldrin, what are some of the ways that different communities, different cities, different places do celebrate uh, Juneteenth? Are there different activities associated with it? No, absolutely. So there's no, um, there is no one way that the Black community or um, America as a whole should celebrate. Um, it's really um, giving information, um, folks receiving the information, being open to receiving it, because that's the, the other component of it, um, and just highlighting um, the, those important moments in, in, in Black history. So I'll, I'll give you an example, um, 100 Black Men in New York, uh, my chapter specifically, we are partnering with the First Baptist Church of East Elmhurst um, in Corona, Queens um, on the 18th and the 19th. And, you know, it'll be their first annual Juneteenth Jubilee um, intergenerational family event. And what, what's going to be there? There'll be education awareness programs, health screenings, music, um, children activities, um, miniature golf. Um, and speaking of golf, we have a partnership with the, with the PGA as far as, you know, make golf your thing. So it's an, uh, a tribute to um, Black music. Um, June is also Black Music uh, Month. So we'll have Grammy-nominated um, um, Baylor Project there. That's on Saturday. And on Sunday, the actual Juneteenth day, um, there's going to be a service to honor COVID workers of the community and a one-hour live concert um, by musical guest Kenny um, Bobian. And then on Monday, we'll have a teaching. Um, this will be virtual where um, some of our students from our Junior 100 program and other invited guests will be able to learn more about what we're doing in the community and ways that they can enhance their own. That sounds that sounds very kind of interesting. And it sounds like a pretty, you know, solid set of activities. Um, if, let's say, if somebody wanted to participate in activities of June, Juneteenth, is there a, a way that people can participate in them? Well, I'll, I'll speak for my organization. Okay. Um, you can reach out to our office um, and I'll provide that number. It's 212-777-7070. Okay. Or visit our website, um, www.ohbm.org. And you'll be able to find more information there. Ah. And just look out for it. You know, some of our borough presidents um, are hosting Juneteenth events. Um, some of the um, local Black churches 
are hosting Juneteenth events. Um, so it's it's going to be a celebration that's that's conducted by grassroots organizations, um, community-based organizations, churches, fraternities, sororities, um, you know, professional organizations. So it's it's just a matter of looking out for it and you'll be able to find it. Great. Eldrin Ennis, the president of 100 Black Men, and shared with us a little bit about Juneteenth. And you can go to their website and you can learn about activities and how one might participate. Eldrin, thank you so much for joining us with Just Love. And, and thank you for the work that you are doing to kind of raise up a part of our history, which many of us are woefully um, underinformed about. So thank you so much for, for doing that. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, it's It's been amazing um, to not only listen to the station, but to actually be a part of it. Um, so I will give a, a personal shout out to all of the fathers out there. Um, happy Father's Day. And for those who are celebrating Juneteenth, happy Juneteenth to you. Great. Thank you so much, Eldrin. Thank you. Uh, Eldrin Ennis, the president of 100 Black Men. Tom, we'll take a break and we'll be back in just a moment. Just love. Just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself, and our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. We'll be back in just a moment on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.
let's get back to Just Love and your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan. Welcome back to Just Love. Just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. You know, we spoke about uh, absentee father uh, or absent father households um, and kind of a little bit reminder of the holistic nature of the human person. And why do I mention it? I mention it because, you know, when we say just love, just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself. They're not really things that are completely separate from each other. It's kind of the holistic nature of the human person, that the human person does have to be in relationship with God, with other people, with ourselves. And one of the great mysteries, which I think we underexplore, is the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity, which we just celebrated last week. And when we celebrate that, we celebrate the diversity of God and the unity of God, that God is Father, Son, Spirit, but there is but one God. And so the human person kind of is diverse in one sense, but multifaceted, and therefore the relationships that we have in some ways are in that image of the Trinity that is embedded in us. So we do have a relationship with God. We do have a relationship with one another and our own authenticity. We have a relationship with, with ourselves. So we need to love all three, God, ourselves, and neighbor. And that's quite frankly, what the two great commandments point out, the love of God above all, heart, soul, body, everything. And love neighbor, but not just neighbor love neighbor as we love ourselves. So we need to love ourselves in addition to kind of loving God. And, um, you know, on this Father's Day weekend, the importance of the love of a father is, is critically important. I know cards are not as prevalent as they are on Mother's Day and gifts aren't as present on Mother's Day, but still very, very important. Tom, are you going to be doing anything for Father's Day? Uh, I, we are, Monsi. We're going to go. Uh, we're going to go up on uh, Father's Day Sunday. See my dad. Um, as you said, I managed. Uh, I, I I was out doing some of my weekend shopping, and one of the things, you know, my father many years ago joined the Knights of Malta. So when I was shopping in the Housing Works uh, thrift store, I found a little knight figure that actually had a Maltese cross on it. Now I don't know whether it's a knight of Malta or not. But I bought it. Okay. <laughs> and it's very small. So that's going to be my little token of esteem to my dad, who, because I could never repay everything that he's done for me. But, you know, he likes little tchotchke things like that. So, so that's, that's my gift to him this year. Well, I think you should claim it as being absolutely authentic. <laughs> you know, I won't tell, and none of our listeners will tell if you want to say that it kind of, uh, you actually went to Malta and picked it up. I, mean, I, I won't. I won't blow your cover if that's what you. If that's what you want to want to do. So okay, Monsignor. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you for that. You know, I, I mean, you know, my suggestion is why don't you go to one of the stores and get a a Maltese flag, and you know, you could do the whole thing up, and it could be 
you know, that's actually a good idea, Monsieur. You're right. Actually, that would be, he would appreciate that. And yeah, I could I, I could wrap the little figure in the Maltese flag and 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 say right. I didn't tell you guys, but I went over to Malta just recently. You know, right? Good, good. So that is a good. That is a very good, uh, good, good deal. So, you know, I wish to all of our listeners a happy Father's Day, particularly the fathers who are, um, you know, who are listening to us. Um, You know, being a parent is an incredible challenge these days, whether it be being a mother or a father. And, you know, we do pay a lot of attention to mothers and the nurturing role of mothers. But I'm delighted we had a conversation today about the important role that fathers do play in life. So a very happy Father's Day to all the fathers who are listening to our show. And, you know, I invite you to come back again next week. This is Just Love. Just love God. Just love a neighbor. Just love yourself. Our world will be more just and will be more compassionate. Join us on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. You're listening to The Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.